Okay, looks like this is Stacy now. Here's Stacy. It is me and my dog, <laughs> who will not stop barking. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome. That is my my quarantine life. <laughs> I think that's the case for a lot of us. Uh, you know, at I at home the normal home things don't fit our our routine for business oriented things it's very true it's made me very grateful that i haven't had to do any like uh, zoom calls or anything because like right. <laughs> i would either have my my toddler wanting something or my dog barking so but i am here so i apologize for uh if you hear any beagle barking in the background <laughs> we'll try to All work right. through it well it's uh, it's good to be able to still one way or another get together and uh, and talk through the gospel and talk through what what we've been doing on Sundays. Uh, you were you were sick this time around, so you weren't able to be present. I was. I had a I had a headache, but I well we can we can talk about how I, how I'm associating that with the message itself. I have a trans- but not the Rona. Not now. I do not have the Rona. Uh, so so no worries there. But. Uh, good. Yeah, but uh, I actually have a transition this week. So, so, <laughs> uh, but you, if Go you for it. well, I was thinking That's about it. Do we pray first? Yeah, let's do that. That's always a good let's place to start. We, we, uh, we kind of neglected that when we went to the phone because it threw our routine off. So that seems uh, to be the norm. <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and do that now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to share your gospel uh, with both believers and unbelievers. We don't know who who hears these podcasts, um, but we're just thankful for the opportunity and the technology to be able to talk through your word, um, hopefully answer some questions, make some connections, and, and one way or another to um, to be able to connect the reality of you with the reality that we experience in our everyday lives. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Um, so if you want to go ahead and I, you know, I think are trying to get back into the norm here uh, for those who may not have seen the live stream on Sunday. Um, if you want to give a little summary of, of the message itself or where we are in acts, I think that'd be a good place to start. Sure. We can do that. Um, up until this point in the book of acts in the first five chapters, everything was going on. Rather swimmingly, with the exception of Ananias and Sapphira uh, and and their uh, sin that, that had immediate judgment at the time. Uh, but then in chapter 6, problems arise. Uh, the church is growing. In fact, it starts out, um, starts out in Acts chapter 6 saying, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. Uh, and so so things are, are going well and uh, the, the growth of the church uh, is great. And because of that growth, the, the natural changes that come along with growth, it presented, uh, presented problems. Uh, and in this particular case, we see that the Grecian Jews, the, the Hellenistic Jews or the Greek speaking Jews um, that were among the believers brought a complaint um, against the Hebraic Jews or the, the uh, Hebrew speaking, Aramaic speaking um, culturally Jewish uh, believers uh, because the widows of the Grecian Jews were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so there was some some sort of inequity that was taking place. Mm. I've heard this preached a number of different ways, uh, and there are a number of different elements that factor into this. Some of it may be bigotry between 
um, or at least the perception of bigotry, perhaps there has been. Uh, and so that's a, the, uh, the habit of conflict that, that would be normal. But now in Christ being one, uh, we still see these, these vestiges, these, these shadows or ghosts of uh, our fleshly division still there. So in any case, um, there's a discrepancy taking place. Uh, the apostles are doing all the leadership themselves at this point. And as they, as the 12 are, are basically uh, handling all the, the teaching, the administration, all of it, um, what happens is it outgrows the ability structure to be able to handle the need. And in that process, these inequities come up. So as we were uh, working through it, um, we recognized in the passage, we're really looking at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. It's sort of a prelude to what we're going to see uh, coming up in the story of Stephen. And uh, I think many of us are familiar with uh, Stephen as the first martyr of the church, but we're going to see uh, going to see a lot that comes up through it. The prelude to that then is what happens here as Stephen is one of the uh, seven men chosen to administrate this physical needs ministry, which uh, Paul and, and the church would later on refer to as deacons, even though that term's not mentioned in this passage. That's the role that they're filling here. And so uh, as we see this happen, our core reality is that addressing conflict with wisdom and love reflects Christ to the watching world. And, and what takes place in this passage is they have conflict, uh, and, and the conflict itself is, you know, it, it is what it is. It's conflict. It right. happens. We have different brains. And so this, this comes together. Uh, and as, as they're working through this, the apostles with wisdom say, let's involve the, the folks uh, who are in the complaint in the solution. And so they call them together, uh, have the people, um, choose seven men that are known to them, seven, seven men from among the people, from among the disciples, who are, are known to be men of, of uh, wisdom in a practical sense, able to do this job. But um, it's important to recognize that they're also to be men who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit, uh, who are um, guided by the Spirit of God and have uh, the heart and character of Christ on display so that uh, that dynamic of, of wisdom brings about and fosters the love and unity in the church that Christ prayed for uh, that is commanded by our Lord and uh, in the process of that it ends with verse 7 saying so the word of God spread because of how they handled this what could have been the, the downfall and demise became instead a development and a, a, a jumping, not really a jumping off point, but, but like fuel on the fire of the gospel. It confirmed and validated the message that they had been preached. And in verse 7, it says that the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. It, it's crazy to me to think about how rapidly it's already taken place. But this would appear to be an increase if you're pointing out rapidly when throughout the rest of this, as you're talking about the increase of the church, this great numerical increase as believers are being added daily to their number. Now, Luke points out it's, it's rapidly increasing and even highlights the fact that uh, a large number of priests, uh, the Jewish priests there, 
became obedient to the faith. So those who are part of the religious religious establishment and uh, vested in uh, the the ministry of the word in Judaism, the ministry of the temple there, uh, those folks are even being convinced as a result of how they handled it. So uh, addressing conflict with wisdom and love reflects Christ to the watching world. And we talked about uh, five observations from that that allowed them to turn this obstacle into an opportunity. We saw that changes bring challenges. Faithfulness demands focus. God's work requires God's wisdom. Involvement breeds investment. And our modeling proves our message. And so we're going to walk through that together. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, from, from a standpoint of where we are right now, um, I mean, I think it's, this is probably more relevant than ever. <laughs> there is so much, uh, without a, thinking of a better word for it right now, there's so much conflict, it seems, even in this time when, I, 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 I will say that there's also been a lot of togetherness. There's been a lot of let's work together to make this all better. And that you see that whenever there's any kind of, of disaster or emergency or whatever. People do yep. work together, come together. You, can, you, you, t- you see the best in people, but at the same time, you can also see the worst in people. Um, sure. And so to when it comes to being a Christ follower, I think there are two sides to this. I think that people might have, Christians under a bit of a microscope um, at times waiting for them to screw up or do something wrong or they reacted the wrong way or look a Christ follower wouldn't do that blah 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 Um, but at the same time I think that we sometimes do not not present ourselves in time whether it's in times of conflict or just in general the way that we are supposed to when it comes to uh using or, or working through things to spread the gospel it, it, it's it's very easy to turn inward and do things the way we think they should be done or or create more conflict or whatever um and not only does that give christ followers a bad rep but sometimes it's true yeah and, and, and conversely i think it's it's also easy for us to allow um artificial secularist divisions to, to creep in yes, where we become more focused on um, our political party right. or denomination or whatever uh, that, and allow those things to divide us rather than uh, focusing on what unites us, which is the blood of Christ and the gospel. And so, you know, I've seen so much of that, you know, as you, as you mentioned that it's interesting because a bunch of conversations that I've had just even in the last uh, 18 to 24 hours <clears throat> have, have really kind of hinged on that. Um, whether, you know, it, it, not, not looking specifically at act six, but coming right out of this, actually, as, uh, as I was working at the farm yesterday, I was listening to, uh, um, a message from the gospel coalition, uh, of, of 19. It was just posted on their podcast and it was, um, Shy Lin, who is a rapper and a preacher, uh, speaking on, the issue of uh, ethnic unity, uh, I want to say racial unity because we're so used to saying that, but it's really not that <clears throat> race is a construct, but that's another another concept for us to talk about some other time. Uh, but but he actually used the same passage in talking about the, the unity of the church 
where we, we do have differences. There, there's, there's no denying that there are differences. The differences between the, the uh, Hellenistic Grecian Jews and the Hebraic Jews are, can't be denied. That, that's a reality. There are cultural differences. And this is a reflection of what we see in ethnicity. It's a reflection of what we see in our, our diversity of thought among uh, um, political issues and, and so on. <clears throat> but as we, uh, as we, the church, address these things, our primary focus, and this is what happens here uh, in the book of Acts. This is what binds them together. It's actually very much what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. As they're focused on the mission, and they're focused on uh, true doctrine, the, the, um, the coming together to understand the scriptures rightly, to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to caring for one another uh, at the expense of their own comfort, at the expense of their own possessions, they're caring for one another. They're putting, uh, they're putting the church, they're putting other believers ahead of themselves. This wisdom and love allows for the, the goodness and the social justice of taking care of these widows, uh, but only as an extension, as, a, as an outflow of the gospel, which is king. And, that, and that's the important thing that happens here, and that's what unites them. It's exactly what Christ prays for in John 17. Uh, it's just what we see in uh, Ephesians 4, described for us in, at the end of Acts 2 and the end of 4. Now, even when problems arise, that same heart brings them together. And as they do this, the watching world, the unbelieving watching world, sees, ah, wait a minute, their behavior, they're not perfect, but their behavior is governed by and confirms what they've been preaching about this Messiah. So it, it's attractive, not simply on an intellectual level, it's attractive on an experiential, existential level, because they're seeing this reality played out in everyday life. And, and that's really important for us to recognize that, that how we handle these things, what we get caught up in is, is crucial to our witness. Uh, uh, I just actually uh, was just having a, a, a Facebook messenger conversation uh, with an old classmate of yours, as it turns out, uh, who is, um, has been away from uh, faith as an adult and has uh, He's been looking for that so anchor. So it's one of 76. <laughs> so, uh, and, and has been um, looking for that anchor, misses the, the moral compass that it, that it gave her. And as she's been dealing with these things, uh, one of the things that's been a concern for her is as an adult, her thinking um, has gone in a political direction that, that is a political, political specifically, but cultural as well, in a direction that's different than the folks that she grew up with in church. And so she wasn't sure how to, how to handle that. And, you know, one of the beautiful things that, that we have in real life, which inevitably does cause conflict, it, relationships are messy and it can be difficult and uncomfortable, but we have a, a pretty wide spectrum of uh, political leanings. We have, you know, some who are, who are very, um, I don't I hesitate. Are you going to say the L word? 
Well, I hesitate to say far left because there's so much weight on all these terms. Well, that's but, good. But, yeah, you get you 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 say something, and immediately it pops a certain idea pops into somebody's head. Well, right. You know, and so if we look at the historically um, considered political spectrum, we've got folks from pretty far left to pretty far right, and everywhere in the middle. Right. And so um, take that to know, be mean what you will. Yeah, we. I mean, we have Trump supporters and Trump haters and everything in between. But what we have to learn to do as followers of Christ is to recognize that those things are temporal. Right. It doesn't matter. Whatever your political party is, it ends at the grave. You don't take that to heaven with right. you. And so while we may disagree about any number of things in this world, our primary focus has to be our primary mission, which is to make disciples according to the word of God, the gospel that is given to us in the word of God. And, and so, you know, like I said, in the last 18 to 24 hours, I've had uh, folks who are caught up in, in political conspiracy theories, uh, who are caught up in uh, doctrinal, if I could say, conspiracy theories, uh, some videos circulating and, and teachings that are circulating that really amount to exactly what Paul warns uh, Timothy of specifically, uh, but warns the church of it, it, that we get caught up in these secondary and tertiary issues that that divide us as, uh, as Christians. But but those are, you know, we're united by the gospel. There are areas in the scriptures that are intentionally hidden and mysterious and gray. There are other areas that are not. And those areas where, where the scripture stands dogmatically black and white, those are the things that must unite us. And then other areas, there are unaddressed. The Bible doesn't tell us how to vote. Right. It does give us principles that should apply to every part of our lives, including our politics. But that doesn't mean we all agree on the same path right. of, of how we get to a particular goal. But for Christ followers, our primary goal cannot be to build some sort of Christian utopia in our current cultural and political um, milieu. But as we're, as we're working forward to work out our salvation, our, our home is in heaven. And we recognize that the future doesn't, doesn't end at the grave and the, our salvation doesn't arrive on air force one. We, we are not primarily identified by the color of our skin or the proclivities of our sexuality or any other uh, natural flesh oriented uh, identifier. We as Christ followers are primarily identified who we are is bound up in our, our identity as children of the living God in Christ. We are children of God because of the grace of God in Christ. When Jesus died and took my place, I died with him. And therefore, we are together raised up to a new life in him, living this resurrection life, bound by one Holy Spirit, submitting ourselves to the perfect will of God as revealed in the inspired word of God. And when we get sideways of that, when we start to, to have divisions and arguments and all these bitterness things that come up, it's because we take our eyes off of the real prize and start to, to, to take our, our vertical gaze, our Godward gaze, and make it a horizontal 
gaze. And we see all the things around us here and, and COVID-19 becomes the most important thing in the world or the, the LGBTQ plus agenda becomes the most important thing in the world or our, my particular um, ethnic cultural um, background becomes the most important thing in the world or whether you or, or I are Republican or Democrat or independent becomes the most important thing in pro the world. life or pro choice or whatever. Yeah. And, and there are things that are, that are hugely significant and we can't run away from that. The fact of the matter is abortion is a heinous evil. It, it undermines everything that the scripture teaches us about God's sanctity of all life, but it's not the only heinous evil that flies in the face of the sanctity of life. Euthanasia, racism, inequality and bigotry, uh, you know, poverty and injustice, all of these things are an affront. Mm-hmm. And when we start to pick and choose and, and have dividing lines because you're not this enough for me, then, then we have lost sight of the gospel. And that's, you know, in a sense, that's what we can see in the, in the delineation between the um, Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews, the the identifier now who we are changes, and no longer am I defined by my Hebrew culture or my Greek culture. I'm not even defined by my Judea, uh, Judaic uh, belief system. I'm no longer primarily a Jew of any kind, ethnically, religiously, or anything else. I'm primarily a Christ follower, a child of God by the grace of God, through faith, and, and, and that's it. And so now we're bound together, whether, whether Jew or Gentile, whether rich or poor, uh, educated or not, Republican, Democrat, Packers fan, Bears fan, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, none of that stuff matters. As, as, it doesn't mean we deny the differences. It doesn't mean we don't embrace them. We should value the differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, those cultures are, are worthwhile and good, but when they begin to divide us, then we make them idols, and that's never good. Well, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, if, if it's the gospel that unites us, the big concern that I'm, I'm thinking about is the fact that the, the people who decide to pick and choose things um, – or, or, or maybe twist words a certain way, or like you were just talking about, you know, suggest that this sin is greater than this sin, or, well, the Bible doesn't really mean that, or blah, blah, you know, it's so, it's, it's so easy for people to believe certain things, but then somehow try to word their way out of other things. So yeah. does, that, does that then make it harder for us to come together, even under the umbrella of Christianity? Um, yes, it does make it harder because we get, again, it's focusing on fleshly things when we, when we start to pick and choose. And and I see this a lot, um, even in, uh, again, it's the church, but, uh, it, it can very easily, uh, involve unbelievers. We recognize that there uh, are tares among the wheat. Mm -hmm. We don't want to, um, we don't want to get caught up in foolish arguments. And uh, Paul, in one of his letters, wrote that you know, all of us as believers should think this way. Here, here's, here's how I'm laying this out for you. 
and all of us should think this way. And if on some point you disagree, the Holy Spirit will make that clear to you in time. And I think we, we fail to have that perspective, so we fail to give grace. Ultimately, when it comes to the, the, the issues of this life, our politics and so on and so forth, there, there, is, there is a reality that trumps all of that. And in the end, when, when we come down to it and we disagree, we're going to find out either you're right or I'm right, right. or we're both wrong. <laughs> or it doesn't matter and there is no right or wrong on this issue. In any case, those things are still passing. And so when we start to, to get caught up in small things, that's what will lead us astray with the scripture. Mm. For example, uh, when I primarily identify through my, I'll use the word race, uh, when, when I primarily see myself as black or white or ethnicity, ethnicity um, so Oliver Lorelai, I said hello. <laughs> it's just Oliver Lorelai's mute. <laughs> yeah, he's usually quiet. Um, he can't even see me. I'm not even. <laughs> and you're not in a UPS uniform. Right. Yeah, uh. I'm at the church. But anyhow, uh, when when we start to identify primarily that way, then we begin to see all the scripture through that lens. Mm-hmm. When we begin to to identify primarily through our sexuality where where we think that that who we are is wrapped up in who we're attracted to or or whatever else right when that when that becomes our primary identity then we begin to read the scriptures we call that eisegesis we read into the text rather than drawing from the text and we read into it from a lens of who we identify as right yeah we take our framework and we put the bible under it right we, we let framework determine what the text says or what we want the text to say but that's not intellectually honest it's not spiritually faithful we need to be faithful to the word of god so that regardless of my daily experience whatever my particular experience is that is coloring my lens um I need to submit my framework to the text, mm-hmm. not submit my text to the framework. So then if I primarily identify through my sexuality and I have been wrestling with, uh, we'll say same sex attraction because it's been such a, a big topic in the last few years. Um, and so that's been a real struggle for me. Then I begin to look at the scripture differently mm-hmm. Because I think that my God, as that I believe in, would never want me to be unhappy or, you know, how or they or love is love is love is love is love is love. And so then then it begins to um, distort the way I see the actual text of Scripture. That's very easy to do. I mean, I could even as a woman, I could even look at it through that lens. And for sure. And, And we see that all the time. So. This is the debate that folks have between egalitarianism and complementarianism. So the complementarian uh, view being that men and women are are equal under Christ and yet have different roles that God has called them to. The egalitarian view being that men and women are equal under Christ and there's no difference in role either. And so as we look at various passages, when we have a presupposition that says that the Bible cannot say this, 
then we see a particular thing in the text and we say, well, that can't be it. So we throw that out. Right. If that is, if that presupposition is based on my human framework, my cultural framework, how I was raised, uh, what I learned in college, whatever else, as opposed to um, being tied primarily to the rest of scripture and what the scripture says, then I will come to a dramatically different conclusion. And that creates strife among believers. So when we all surrender, whatever framework it is, if you grew up in a church that that doesn't believe in uh, female pastors, Mm -hmm. or you grew up in a church that does believe in female pastors, that colors the way you see things. I have to then recognize that my call as a Christ follower is to surrender my framework to the text. And whatever the text then says, I can't twist it to say, well, that doesn't fit my presupposition. Therefore, I'm going to spin it. But we do that all the time. And, and it's not just with hot button issues. You know, so I, I mentioned that you mentioned uh, as a female, for sure. And, and, and if I want to, uh, to as a white male, I want to support a white male patriarchy then I'm going to read the Bible in a particular way. Right. So that's what happened during the, the, the time of the transatlantic slave trade, when people started to use texts of scripture out of context, ignoring the rest of the biblical theology to support false teaching that one uh, particular type of humanity is more or less than another type of humanity. And we end up with, scriptural arguments in favor of, of uh, race-based slavery or in favor of eugenics or in favor of Jim Crow laws. And, and throughout so- history, the, that is, that is re- people who have identified as Christians or claim to be Christians have, I mean, I'm thinking now that you mentioned right. that, I'm thinking things like, like the Salem witch trials and things like, like you know, uh, things that people right. based out of, religion they thought that this was against what the bible said so that brings up the question that that the watching world asks a lot how can we trust any of it if people using it for violence or injustice and the the same reason that we can still trust god when people let us down people are flawed and sinful Mm -hmm. god is not the word of god is flawless and imperfect as flawless and infallible i'm sorry i said imperfect that was a huge mistake Um, (laughs) we'll edit that out in post God's word is perfect. We are imperfect. And so when people apply God's word, taking only pieces rather than the whole counsel of God, then we will always inherently be prone to distortion. So once once again, it's on us. There's a reason that when you were first taught to do a research paper in high school, that you were required to have a minimum number of citations of a variety of sources. You couldn't just quote one author, one book over and over again, right. because it distorts your perspective. You have to be able to look at the whole of the subject. So when we look at the, the scriptures and the whole counsel of God, uh, that's what protects us from taking things out of context and distorting it. But ultimately, and I see that we're, we're beyond the end of our time right. here, ultimately what we need to recognize is our call as Christ followers is not to any of these lesser things. Our call is to, to the authority of Christ, to submit to the authority of Christ. And as we see in Ephesians 5.21, one of the governing principles of Christian interaction, 
along with Christ's commands to love one another, that plays out in Ephesians 5.21, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. When we do that, when we prefer others to ourselves, when we look at the other person's needs and our own character rather than the other way around, then we find that addressing conflict with wisdom and love reflects Christ to the watching world. I think we'll stop there for today. I feel like we could talk about this for a while, but we'll, we'll stop there for today. Um, as always, if anybody uh, wants to join the conversation, has any questions, comments, whatever, uh, feel free to comment on Facebook. Uh, you can comment on the live stream itself or send a message or um, on YouTube now that we're streaming there or uh, shoot us an email and we'll be sure to address that in a future episode. Uh, we are, we've, we've missed a couple, a couple weeks of something to talk about. Um, I, I blame something to think about. You mean? Is that, yeah. Something to think about. So yeah, I can't even think about it. Huh? Um, <laughs> we've missed a couple weeks of it. Uh, just, I, I think this format makes it easy to, uh, you know, just forget about things uh, that are important, but we will uh, try to get back on track with that this week. So you have a little preview of the upcoming message and yeah. You have anything else, Rich? I have so many more things, but well, we're over. So, <laughs> And Oliver's going to start barking again. So I'm going to cut this off and uh, thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for, thanks for doing this with us. Anytime we get to talk about God's word, it's exciting. True that. All right. Thanks everyone.